Okay, good. We on Daf Lamed uh, Aleph Amud Aleph. That's this week's Daf uh, at the top of the page, close to the top of the page. We're talking about the inappropriateness of excessive levity, um, which means that uh, you know if you're too happy or too jovial, uh, there's a chance that it could result in inappropriate behavior, even by Heiliger Rabbonim, as the Gomorrah shows here, and we actually just learned the source for um, for the breaking of the glass under a chuppah. That one of the reasons why we break the glass is to remind us of the destruction of the temple. But the Gomorrah actually, uh, one of the commentaries explain. So basically, what happened was we just read in the Gomorrah here that uh, they were at a wedding and. Uh, they were getting a bit too jovial, and one of the, I think the father of the of the chosin, if I'm not mistaken, or um, he um, he breaks a he breaks a glass, um, uh, a very like an expensive glass, and that kind of uh, lowers the mood, um, uh, and uh, in order to remind people to not be too jovial, even at uh, weddings, and that's one of the sources for breaking the glass under the chuppah. Um, so we continue with that theme a little bit, um, um, and uh, and uh, we're just going to end off that very soon. Um, um, let me just, uh, yeah, yes, here we go. So it says like this: Amru le Rabbonin, we on the fifth line. Amru le Rabbonin le Rav Hamnuna. Um, uh, the rabbi said to Rav Hamnuna Zuti, the small one. Must have been a good person if he's small, huh? Um, Behilula de Mar de Ravina at the wedding of the of Master, the son of Ravina. Lishulan Mar. So they said to him, "Let's please sing for us, Mar," which was obviously a, like quite a jovial thing to do. Amar Lahu. So he instead of singing, he does a dirge. He sings like a a, a sad song, and he says, "Voilan de Mitnan." Voilan de mitnan. Woe is it to us that we will die. So you know it's like pretty sad at a wedding. But nevertheless, one of the commentaries it's, just, it's a bit inappropriate to sing about death at a wedding. But I saw in the commentaries that uh, it's it's not so inappropriate because the the joy of a wedding is the Bezrat Hashem, the family that will come out of that wedding, of the the you know the couple being together married, um and. Um, and and the it's not a place of death, but he, so even though you bring up death at the wedding, this this rabbi did this. Nevertheless, it's not um, a, a, the the joy is about laugh. So it's it's not you know completely inappropriate because it's not completely dampening the spirit because the real joy is a continuation of laugh. So he says to them instead of singing, he says, "Woe is to us who are we going to die." Amrilay, so they said to him, What can we answer after you? I mean, what is our response going to be to you? Which uh, is explained that, you know, where uh, the saddest thing you could possibly talk about is death. So there's nothing sadder we could respond uh, that could make us even more uh, melancholy or not melancholy. There's no point in being sad. It's the point is to lower the spirit. So Amalai, so he said to them, Hi Torah Vahai Mitzvah de Magnu Alan. So there is something sadder than death and that is where are our mitzvahs 
and where's the Torah that will protect us? Because death is one thing, you know, we can go into Olam Haba after death, but that's only if we merit learning Torah with Torah and mitzvahs. So that what's even worse than death is not having the protective power of Torah and mitzvahs, so that's what's something you can even make it even a, a, a worse mood. Amar Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai Asu Adam similar theme, Asu Adam Sheyemale Shchoyk Piv Ba'olam it's asu for a person to fill up his mouth with laughter in this world. Um, and a shenemar, as the pasuk says, as yemale schoik pinu, then yeah, this is in Shiramalot, excellent. As yemale schoik pinu ule shenenurina, then your mouth will be full of laughter, uh, when and our lips will be full of song. So when is that? Aimatai. Uh, Bizman sheyomru bagoyim when the nations will say higdil Hashem lasotimele great is Hashem what He's done with these with the Jews um, and that will be in the time of Mashiach so then we can really rejoice then our mouths can be completely full as as means then as yemales chipinu um, so the the point here is that it's inappropriate to really have a full a full go at laughter. Um, uh, at this time in our history, there's a discussion actually. Does this mean because it's t- uh, so when the Beit Hamikdash stood, could you laugh, or is it actually not connected only to the Beit Hamikdash? So there's a bit of a discussion here, and it could be that it's not only connected to the Beit Hamikdash. Even during the Beit Hamikdash, that's why he says Ba'olamazeh in this world. Um, uh, even if there was a Beit Hamikdash, it would still be inappropriate because. Ultimately, the ultimate Gula, the third Beit Hamikdash, um, will be a time when then the nations of the world will say, "Wow, look at what Hashem's done for us!" And our laughter there will be like a pirsumanais, will be a, like a, a revelation a, of a miracle. Mm-hmm. And in that way, our laughter will be a mitzvah, and that's why it will be appropriate to fill up your mouth, because then it's not just about laughter; it's about your laughter being a wowness of Hashem's miraculous nature that we today in that in in as in that time um, um have uh, have the nations of the world praise uh, praise Hashem because of what he's done to us okay amru alav reish lakish um it says about reish lakish um who was the chevruta of rabbi uh, rabbi yochanan of uh, rabbi um uh, Rabbi Yochanan says, All his days, he did not fill up his mouth in this world with laughter. From when he heard um, um, the statement from Rabbi Yochanan, his rabbi, that you shouldn't fill up your mouth with laughter. Okay, so that's a, a series of, uh, of incidences where we see that it's inappropriate to be completely happy at this time in our history um, uh, and it's actually important even at happy occasions to lower the mood and just have a bit of a somberness uh, not for the sake of somberness but for the sake of making sure your behavior uh, is checked okay um tanurabonin now we're going back into what the the Gamor, the peric was talking about and that is uh how to prepare for davening and how to stand in front of Hashem when you daven. Tan Rabbonin, Rabbas told us, Ein oimdim lit palo, one should not stand to daven lo mitoch din, not from a court case, 
ולא מתוך דבר הלכה, and not from a complicated word of הלכה, אלא מתוך הלכה פסוקה. Rather from a, uh, either a simple halakha or a decided halakha. That's the discussion here. But basically when you're davening, your mind's meant to be open and, and directed to Hashem. And if you've just been in a court case, or you've got a complicated sugi in your head, that you, you won't be able to concentrate on your davening because you're too busy thinking about the halakha that you just learned. So it must be either a decided halakha that you know, you've come out with a conclusion, or it's a simple halakha. Um, and that way, your mind won't be so tarud, won't be so distracted, and you'll be davening with more uh, yishuv da'at. Um, okay. What is halacha psukah? Now, we're going to go through three halacha psukot. There's a shala as to why do you need three? Just give us one. But anyway, so we, we time, um, unfortunately, is not on our side, so we can't go too much into these halacha psukot, um, but we'll try and explain them simply. Amar Abaya, Abaya says... Um, he says, "Ki had the like this that Rabbi Zaira said. The Amar Rabbi Zaira, not Yisrael ichmiru alatzman. The daughters of Israel would were machmir on themselves. Shafilu root tipat dam kachardal. Even if they saw a, a drop, a, a, a drop of uh, menstrual blood, or even if it wasn't menstrual blood, we'll see. Um, kachardal like a mustard seed." Yoshevet Aleh Shiva Nekim, they sit on that, they sit um, in, in a state of nidda for seven clean days. Now, when, please God, maybe I'm married to learn Chatan lessons with you, um, we can explain this at more in depth. But basically what it means is, is that there's two types of, uh, of, uh, of when a woman bleeds menstrually, she becomes either a nidda, and if after she becomes a nidda, and she keeps on bleeding, then she becomes a zava. Um, and basically, a zava gadola um, uh, is has to have seven clean days without seeing any dam. And uh, what? Whereas a nidda, a woman who just is a nidda, she doesn't have to have seven clean days. And basically, the woman took on themselves to be strict because the the complexity of telling the difference between dam nidda and dam zava. They took on that they treated any dam like dam zava gadola, and even if they saw a tiny drop, they would sit for seven clean days. But uh, so one day, hopefully, we'll explain this to you in more depth when you're getting ready to be married. Okay, Rova Ama Rova says another example of halach psuka kihad de Rav Hoshaya. Dama Rav Hoshaya, Rav Hoshaya says ma'arim adam altvato. A person is allowed to be clever to be a bit a bit of a trickster uh, on his tour on his produce and bring it into his house when it's still in its chaff meaning before it's really ready to be to be processed and um, to be made into flour and uh, and therefore um, then in that stage when your when the produce is chaff then you're, it's edible for animals, and you brought it into your house, and then you're exempt from tithing. Okay, so a little bit of, tiny bit of background here, that if you were a farmer, and you got produce, right, and uh, you, you, you'd get it ready in the field, so when you bring it into your house, it needs to be winnowed, it needs to be in a sense of grain, it needs to be called grain, 
And once it's in that stage and you bring it through your front door, it says Pnei Abayit, the entrance to your house, then you're obligated to tithe that produce. But you actually are allowed to get out of it. Um, uh, because, so how do you get out of it? You don't bring it into your house when it's made, when it's made into grain. It's still not ready for grain, but it's edible for animals. And if you bring it into your house in that stage, and you feed it to your animals in that stage, then you don't have to tithe it. Whereas uh, rabbinically, actually, you still you 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 still actually are forbidden rabbinically to eat it for like human consumption in a, in in a kever way, in a fixed way. But if it's in an arai way, if it's like a uh, like you just snacking or you're feeding it to your animals then you're not obligated to take Masa, even rabbinically. Okay, so that's Halakha Pesukah. For us, it's not Halakha Pesukah. It's complicated. But in those times, obviously, they knew these Halakhot very well, so they would be Halakha Pesukah. Another case, Vibayit Eima, Kihad Rav Huna. Like Rav Huna says, Dam Rav Huna, Kochim. A person who lets blood from a... An, a, a, an animal of Kodesh, which an animal that has been sanctified to be offered as a sacrifice, if you let blood from that animal for whatever reason, Asur Bahano, you're forbidden to get benefit from that blood. I don't know, feed it to your animals maybe. Umualimbo, and you are obligated in Me'ila, which Me'ila is using holy objects for profane use. Um, and even though we hold that generally dam kochim, blood of a holy animal, is not chayv in me'ila. That's when you shech the animal and the blood squirts out and you catch that blood and you offer that on the bait, on the mizbeach. But here, you, this part of the letting the blood is not as part of the sacrifice. And therefore, there is the chiddush of this halacha, is there is me'ila, there is uh, holiness to this blood that uh, it's still part of the animal and therefore you're forbidden to use it for your own personal benefit um, again this is a halacha psukha uh, for us it's a bit complicated but for them it was clear um, okay just by the way make his dumb letting blood right in the old days uh, they would let blood um, for health reasons um, uh, for animals and humans um, so uh, you like for us it's like ridiculous. Why would you ever let blood? Um, but um, I gave blood the other day, and apparently I've got a very high iron, but it's not too high, thank God. And the lady said that I need to give blood regularly in order to keep my iron levels not too high. So I don't know. Maybe there's an example of a, a, a health, a healthy reason uh, to give blood besides for the mitzvah. Okay, Rabbonin Avdi Kamatnitin, Rav Ashi Avid Kabraita. So, um, the, okay, so now uh, this is a bit out of the blue here after our discussion, but Rabbonin, they did like the Mishnah, and they say that you should daven in a serious frame of mind. So, we, we have already discussed the Mishnah, and it said that you must daven mitoch kovod rosh, like from a heavy head in a sense of a serious head. So, the rabbis. They went according to the Mishnah that you prepare yourself to daven in a sense of seriousness, reverence. Rav Ashi Avid Kabraita. Whereas Rav Ashi, what he did is he learned, he davened from learning clear halachot. Halacha psukah. 
So the Chirush here is, what, like, what's the argument? Um, so it could be that it's it's not so easy to daven with Kovod Rosh, to daven with proper um, seriousness and reverence that the Gomorrah expects of us. So therefore, but it is quite easy to daven from a Halacha Psukha. You just learn a Halacha and then you daven. So it could be that the rabbis, were on the, they wanted to have the higher level of davening with reverence, whereas Ravashi said practically it's not so easy, so let's at least learn a little bit of halacha before we daven. Another interesting thing here is that what Ravashi, we learned the, this case of you, should, you shouldn't daven after learning a complicated halacha. That seemed to be advice. But, and if you are learning before you daven, learn simple halacha. So what Rav Ashi is doing here is he's not learning it as, as vast, he's learning it as an oblique, that that's how you should prepare yourself for davening. It's not like if you land up learning, you should learn something simple. He's learning, you should learn something simple as a preparation for davening, according to this. So I'm not sure exactly why, but it could be that, you know, just by the act of learning, it puts you into the right frame of mind. And also you go from learning, which is one mitzvah, to another mitzvah, which is davening. So we please God have mincha at six. And we definitely, it's not halacha psukah, but we are going into mincha um, uh, with some learning Torah. Okay. Tan Rabbonin, our rabbis taught us, Ein omdim litpalal, a person mustn't stand up and daven, lomitoch atzvot. Not from sadness. He shouldn't be sad when he davens. Sorry for the screen sharing. It's going up and down. Not from laziness. And not from laughter. And not from idle chatter. Or joking chatter. And definitely not from lightheadedness. And you shouldn't daven after just, you know, stam talking, nourishkat. You should... Go into davening with, uh, from the joy of doing a mitzvah. And um, that's the best way how to daven. So we've seen three. This is the third type of thing, type of frame of mind that you should go into davening with. The one is you should go into davening with reverence. The other one is you should go with learning halakha. That's clear. And the other one is simcha shal mitzvah, which you could argue is exactly, and I think there are some who say that this is the same thing as reverence. It's reverence doesn't mean you gloomy. It means you, you, you hold in in importance. You you approach it with importance, and that's a simcha shomitzis. It's a joy, but it's a, a joy of of recognition of importance. Okay. adam mechavero, and so too. Listen to this. You shouldn't leave your friend lo I'm not from uh, joking chatter. Um, and not from laughter, or lightheadedness, and not from uh, wasted words. You should rather, if you're parting your friend for a while, you should leave him with a halacha, a discussion in halacha. Because we find in the earlier prophets, that when they would end off their wording like even after some heavy musar in Tanakh um, they would end off with with words of shevach v'tanchumim and consolation they would always end off a very heavy prophecy of musar with a, a happy note and that's how you should leave your friend on a happy note 
not sad, and something uplifting, and we'll see, uh, we'll see it actually helps you remember your friend better, because hopefully through the discussion that continues in your head afterwards, you keep on thinking about the halacha that you just learned, and that reminds you of the, your friend. Actually, in this week's parasha, um, in last week's parasha, when Yosef uh, left uh, home, and he sent back word in uh, in Vaparsha Vayigash. He sent back word about. He sent agalot. He sent uh, um, um, wagons back to fetch Yaakov. And it wasn't just he sent wagons to carry him. He sent wagons to remind him that the last thing they learned was about Egla Rufa. And so, so with Yosef and Yaakov, they were learning a sugya, and Yosef still remembered that sugya uh, twenty-two years later. Okay. And so to Mari taught, A person shouldn't leave his friend, except from words of Alacha, because through this words of Alacha, you will remember each other. Um, uh, he was escorting. So Rav, Rav Kahana was escorting Rav Shimi Barashi Mipumnara from a place called Pumnara. Sorry about the screen going up and down. Mipumnara ad Beit de Bavel. To this place, Beit a field of date palms in Bavel. Kimatalatam, when they reached this, this field of date palms, Amalai Mar, Vadai de Amri Inshi, is this what people say? Hani uh, de it's now Adam Arishon that this this uh, this uh, this bunch of uh, I know what you call a, a, a an orchard or something of of date palms. This was from the time of Adam Arishon. Is are we talking about this this particular orchard of date palms? Ad and it's and it's even here today. Amalei Ad Karan Milta de This this question you just asked me reminds me of. Um, uh, an, uh, a word of Rabbi Yossi Berbechanina, Dam Rabbi Yossi Berbechanina, my dictive, what does the Pasuk say? Be'eretz Asher, um, Lo Avar Ba'ish, in the land that a person has not passed through, Velo Yashav Adam Sham, and he hasn't settled there. So the Gemara asks, Vechi, um, Me'achar, sorry guys, um, Vechi, Me'achar, Delo Avar, and from the fact that the person hasn't passed this piece of land, how can he settle it? You first walk through a piece of land and then you settle it. So if he hasn't walked through it, then for sure he hasn't settled it. To tell you what's this line telling us, call Adam Rishon. Any land that Adam Rishon decreed upon to be a place of settlement, Nijashva. It can be settled. And any land that wasn't decreed upon uh, 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 by Adam Rishon to settle it, you're not you're not able to settle it. Rav uh, So so that it's not practically that you pass. He passed the land. He passed the land and he settled it. It's actually uh, referring to something from the pasuk. It says, "Velo Yashav Adam Sham." Adam, Adam Arishon didn't settle there, which means it wasn't decreed that it was should be settled there. 
So what he was saying here is, it's not that these date palms were around from Adam Rishon, it's that Adam Rishon decreed that these date palms should uh, flourish in that area. That's what, uh, that's what he meant. Now, what you see from here is that when, they were, when he was giving leave of, his, of, of each other, he, they discussed a, 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 a concept about these date palms. Now, this isn't halacha. This is just quite an, an anecdote uh, that explains a pasuk. So it's, you see from here what the Gemara is trying to prove is it doesn't have to be a dvar halacha, according to this opinion. It can be any uh, words of Torah or even a, a wise word you can leave your friend with um, when you part ways. Rav Mordechai Rav Shimi Barashi. So Rav Mordechai was escorting Rav Shimi Barashi mehagroina. From Hagrona v'ad Kipi to this place by Kipi v'amrila ad Baidura, and some say it wasn't by Kipi. By Kipi, it was Baidura. Now, and that's it. That's the end of that. It doesn't explain what they were talking about. So here you see that they weren't they they weren't escorting each other, discussing Torah. So this, according to this Gemara, the Gemara is actually teaching us that it's a nice thing to do to part ways talking Torah. And even talking divragada, like allegorical Torah or wise words of wisdom, but you don't actually have to, because you see from here that they never let they were they ne- it doesn't explain that they discussed any Torah, so why tell it to us? So it's to tell us that you don't actually have to part ways. So the saw, but then why don't you tell us in a clearer way? Just tell us you don't have to part ways with Torah. So they didn't want to highlight that these two great rabbis were not talking Torah. You know, it's, that's, you know, even though it, obviously it's clear that the rabbis don't always talk Torah, nevertheless, they don't want to highlight that. So they just told it in a little bit of an indirect way. Interesting. Okay, so that piece was all about that you, you must, how you should go to Davin, should be with the sense of Simcha Shomitzvah, and when you part ways with your friend, you should part ways with discussing Torah. Okay. Uh, a person needs to direct his heart to heaven. There's a sign for the matter. Prepare your heart. Then your, your, your ears will listen. And that's talking to Hashem. It's like if the Jews uh, direct their hearts to you, then you will listen. So that's what it's saying, direct your hearts to Hashem. Tanya says in a bright time, Rabbi Yudah, uh, this was the minag of Rabbi Akiva. When he davened with the community, he would shorten his davening, and then he'd go up and uh, up from where he davened and go upwards and end his davening quickly. Why? Because the community were waiting for him. It's like the rabbi. You know, I think Rav Amital. Uh, from Gush, that's all. He said what he, what he gets paid for is to have a short Amida. Like not, I don't get paid to teach Torah. You're not allowed to get paid to teach Torah. But what I get paid for, what I get my salary for, is to have a short Amida. Because, you know, he obviously, if he could, he would have a longer Amida. But because he would hold up the community, he had to have a short Amida. So it says here, um, because of the, to bother the community. So that's why he dove in short. But but when he davened on his own, Adam a person found him in one 
he was placed in one corner, and he was found in another corner. Like he, from where, and how come he moved around so much? Because of his bowing and his, uh, his prostration, he was so into his davening that he actually moved around the room. Okay, so there are shalas on this because you're not meant to move around your room. And you're not meant to bow down too much in the middle. You're only meant to bow down four times. So the commentaries explain uh, how he, what does it mean that he landed up going around the room and all these different bowings. Okay, so it says like this. A person should always daven in a room that has windows. As the Pasuk says, um, this is all learned from Daniel, the prophet of how he davened, um, and it says, and the windows were open for him when he davened, so towards Jerusalem actually. So that's one of the, so you learn that you should have windows. Why? Because when you look up, it, it kind of uplifts you and it inspires you and, and helps you daven. So even though you meant to daven from a sitter or with your eyes closed or looking down, nevertheless, if you lose concentration, you want to develop your kavona so you can look upwards. Uh, you might have thought that you can daven the whole day. Daniel was explained by Daniel. Sorry, He would daven three times a day, not the whole day. You are allowed to daven more times if you want, as long as you renew something in those davenings. But if you're davening the standard davening, then you can daven three times a day. Maybe he only started davening when he came from exile to Babylon. Um, it says there that he, as he had done before this, so he's, he had always davened. He didn't just come to daven in, in, in exile. Because you might have thought in exile he's got a lot to daven for, right? He's davening for Mashiach. He's davening to return. So that's when he davened so much. Because that's the psukim we're learning about is when he actually davened was in Bavel. So nevertheless, the Gemara tells us, no, he always davened. Um, uh, and these laws would apply always, I guess. You might have thought that a person can daven in any direction they want. Tamud Lomar neged Yushalayim. The Pasuk says, no, you should daven towards Jerusalem. Maybe he davened all three tefillot in one go. He just went in one go, three times, you know, got them all done in one moment, in one sitting. David. Here we see, we learn from David, the Pasuk says, Erev no, King David davened in the evening, in the morning, in the afternoon, and even though you're obligated to daven three times a day, you might have thought from Daniel, he davened all of them in once. Maybe he did. Never, but we learn from David, no, you shouldn't daven three times a day, but all at different times. Um, you might have thought that you daven aloud, so that you can hear what you're saying. We've already explained through Chana, so now we're going to learn from Chana's different halachas of davening. No, her voice was not heard. Um, you might have thought that first you should ask for your needs, and then daven, which davening means praising Hashem. So you do the 12 or 13 middle brachot of the Amidah, and then you do the first three. Because, you know, you first ask Hashem, and then you praise Hashem, maybe. 
Kfar Mufurash, it's already explained that Yidei Shlomo, through Shlomo Melech Shneemar, Lishmoa El Arina Ve'el Atvila. When he was talking about davening, he said to hear the song and the tvila. Rina zu tvila. Rina is like praise to Hashem. That's tvila. Tvila zu bakosha. Um, uh, tvila is, respo- is referring to request. So first, we learn from Shlomo that first you praise Hashem and then you ask for things, which also makes sense. Ein oimer devar achar emet v'yatsev. You shouldn't say, you know, after you finish Emet V'yatsev, which is the bracha that you say after the Shema, um, you might have thought that I can ask for anything at that point. Uh, no, you can't ask for anything because you've already praised Hashem at that point. You might have think, now nah, I can start asking for things. No. Aval achar tefillah. After davening, which is the Holamida, afilu kaseru vidu shayom omer. You can, you can, once you've done Namida, then you can put your own davening into, you can say the confession of, of, of Yom Kippur in it, if you want to. But until that point, it should be structured and do what uh, the Siddur tells you to do. Itman Namir has also stated, Amar of Barashi, Amar of Afalpisha, Yomru, Shoel, Adam, Tzorachav, Shemat Vila, even though you're allowed to ask Hashem for things in the Brocha of Shemat Vila, in the Amida, uh, but even though you're allowed to ask for anything in Shema Koleinu, nevertheless, after davening, you can daven at length and even say the vidoy or the order of Yom Kippur. What this means is in Shema Koleinu, you are allowed to ask for anything. But you shouldn't ask for too long. It should, it should be short. But once you finish the Amidah, then you can ask for long. And I actually dealt with the shala. Somebody asked me recently about this. Like, uh, um, but basically, uh, the point, the halacha, so simple halacha, that you should, uh, in Shema Kolenu, you are allowed to daven for anything, but it shouldn't be so long because it should be connected to the community still. You know, so, and when you're asking for your own things, it's not the proper structure of the Amidah because the Amidah is always asking for on behalf of the community. Whereas when you go into Shmakulan, you often ask for personal things. So rather keep that shorter, and then if you want to ask for more personal things, then do that at the end of Yamida. Amarav Amnuna, Kama Hilchata Gavruta Ikalemishma Mehani Krai Dechana. How much halachot is there to learn from the verses of Chana? Sorry, this is where we learn different halachot from Chana. Chana davened. Uh, in in uh, Shmuel, in uh, the book of Shmuel, she davened, and uh, Eli, the coin gadol, thought she was drunk, but she was actually davening so passionately for a child who eventually she was blessed with, and that was Shmuel. Um, so we learn a lot of halachot from how she davened. But let's see. Chana was speaking on her heart. We see from here that a person who davens should be directing her, his heart, because she davened on her heart. That was what she was focused on. Rak sefatea naot, only her lips were moving. Mikan, from here we learn, that even though you should daven silently, you should still mouth the words, like Hannah did, because you couldn't hear her, but you could see that she was speaking. Her voice wasn't heard. It's forbidden to... Um, 
lift up your voice in davening. Vechshavea Eli Shukura. Eli thought she was drunk. Mikan shikur asur palal. Somebody who is drunk is forbidden to daven. Vyomer alea Eli and Eli said on her, Admatai tishakrun vogomer. Eli Eli um, said to her, you, I'm told you, how long are you going to be drunk for? From here we learn that somebody who sees in his friend um, uh, something wrong, something that's not appropriate, you, you need to uh, rebuke them. Unfortunately, we have to stop here now, guys. Our Zoom's going to run out. Um, uh, but a lot in that Gomorrah, and please God, we'll finish this piece next time and uh, do the next Amud um, later on in the week. Israel Hashem will be in touch. Have a great day and a wonderful holiday. Keep strong, boys, and we'll be in touch. Look on the group, please, for when our next year is. It will be a little bit uh, unplanned, okay? I'll let you know, though. Please, God.